I'm going to start off by saying, whoo. Y'all say that with me? That, that's what you feel, you know, after a moment of worship like this is like, whoo, you know, it's like you let it all go and, and you let God just take over. And it's so deep and it's so meaningful when we just give our all to the Lord that makes us whole. Amen. And it's okay to be broken. It's okay to come to God and say, God, I am broken. And God restores the broken. Amen. Now, before diving in God's word, man, you guys are awesome. I love y'all so much. Y'all heard that? I said, y'all, I love y'all. Wow. I'm, I'm converting into a Southern Rican. I'm telling you. Yes. Yes. So before I dive in God's words, listen, can we give the praise team a round of applause? These guys, I mean, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about the whole body. The whole body, you know, we, we just, they, these guys, they work so, so hard to, to lead us into God's presence in worship. And I, and, and I tell you, I'm so proud of these guys. And I'm so blessed when, I, when I'm a part of, you know, just acting like I know what I'm doing. You know, when they talk all this musical lingo and, and, and I'm just like nodding my head, I don't have to, you know. Then one day they say, can you cover the guitar? I said, whoa, wait a minute, coach. Comfort shock, but you know these guys work very hard, and I just I just pray blessings over this team. These guys are great. And speaking of which, let me start off by encouraging those that are here not to stay home Friday night. All right, I'm going to say this again because you know I only heard two amens. <laughs> Do not stay home Friday night. All right. I'm going to say it in Spanish. No se queden en su casa el viernes por la noche. Hagan ruido. So what's happening Friday night? We all know it's Friday night fire, you know. But what is Friday night fire? When we talk about, listen, Friday night fire is not that you're going to get burned. You know, it's not that, it's not that you're going to get burned on the Friday what Friday Night Fire is, is that you literally come with your chains and drop them. That's it. Bring your chains and drop them. And you know what's exciting about this Friday Night Fire? To me, Friday Night Fire is, is the bomb. You know, we have so much fun. The casserole at 615 is amazing. You know, the praise band, we only have like 10 minutes to swallow it and come back up before the countdown. But I still, you know, I'm an artist at eating, so I, I don't, it don't phase me none. So when it comes to Friday Night Fire, what I really enjoy, first of all, you got three things. Great music. Awesome testimonies. And it all goes down in the altar. Amen? Great music. Awesome testimonies. And God does his thing at the altar. This Friday, we are having a guest speaker. His name is Daniel Leatherwood. He's the youth pastor from Coweta Community Church, CCC for my youth. CCC will be here. So will you. Yes, so will you. So, so they're going to, I know uh, Daniel's going to share a great word. And we're also having other guests that are coming. 
Now, listen, I want to encourage you before diving in the message. I don't want to take too long in this, but countdown starts at 6.55, you know? So when countdown ends, it's so nice if everybody's ready to worship, you know? I know the food is good, the fellowship is good, but, you know, it's just, a, it's just for you to not come hungry, you know. So I encourage all of us to be here before the countdown ends. I don't hear anybody saying amen. <laughs> so I know Kristen will appreciate this because let me tell you, we love, to, we love to sing, we love to dance, but we love it when the whole body comes together from start to finish. Amen. All right, that's it. That's it on this. Now I'm going to go into what I came here to do. So John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, and we're just going to, we're just going to hear a, a word from the Lord. And who's ready to listen to God's voice this morning? Who's ready to receive God's word today? Amen? All right. Now, John 18, verses 1 through 11, I am going to, to read, and then we're going to dive in to the book of Luke Chapter 22, verses 49 to 51. Amen? Now, y'all can stay seated. Usually I tell people to stand up, but y'all, we, we already danced enough. I know y'all tired. So the word of God reads as such. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it? You want Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken will be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servants, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And diving in Luke chapter 22, verses 49, 51 says, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, hold on, I close this. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, 
no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Let's pray. Father God, I pray today that, that you, Holy Spirit, take over this message today. We want to hear your voice. We just want you, Father God, to take control of my life Take control of what's about to happen. Take control of what's about to be spoken. I am here to speak your word, Father. I want to do it delicately, and I want to do it with all seriousness. Because, Father, we need to hear what you have to say. And not only we need to hear what you have to say, but allow us also to be obedient to your instructions. We ask all of these great things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Now, the title of the message that God has put in my heart is Take a Look from Where Jesus is Standing. I'm going to say it again. Take a look from where Jesus is standing. And when I say take a look, a lot of times we want to look at things from our own perspective. But when we start looking at things from Jesus's perspective, we see the difference, we see the purpose, and we see meaning. And a lot of times we see things, we want to see things from our own perspective. And a lot of times we don't want to accept the way Jesus is looking at things. Then we get in trouble. And then we're questioning why God have you allowed this to happen? Now, the first part of this message, I want, I want to draw our attention on, ver, on the first three verses on chapter 18 of the book of John, where he had finished praying. It says that Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. Then he says, it says that on the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went to that garden. It says, it's talking about Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met they usually meet there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers. And listen to this. Guiding a detachment of soldiers. Visualize this with me. And some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Now, can you imagine being there at that moment, the adrenaline that was going through Jesus at that moment. Jesus is seeing a group of soldiers, yet alone guided by one of his own, yet alone knowing what was about to happen, yet alone knowing that what was going to take place was one of the darkest moments of Jesus' life on earth, the darkest moment, that adrenaline that must be taken. I'm thinking Jesus is breathing hard, I'm thinking that there's knots in his stomach. I'm thinking that his legs are shaking. I'm thinking that he is going through some turmoil of emotions at that moment because what was he was watching coming this way were not coming for a sermon. They were not coming for miracles. They were coming for Jesus. Now, I'm going to share a story with you. And, and I know that what I'm about to share is going to be kind of hard for you to believe. Okay? Now, when I was a young, when I was a teenager, I was a troublemaker. I know it's hard for you to believe because my demeanor doesn't portray that from my past. 
But I was a troublemaker, you know. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to keep an image because my kids are here. But, you know, this means that, and, and I'm going to say this with, and I don't mean this with no, I'm saying this with no pride at all. Either trouble came to me or I would go to trouble. That, that was, remember one time I said that I grew up in Puerto Rico, and in Puerto Rico you were either in church or in trouble? Well, I wasn't in church all my life, so imagine that. I was in trouble. So as I was, and I remember this one guy, his name was Noah. And Noah and I, we, I mean, we hated each other. This is a guy that if I knew where he was or he knew where I was, we would go to see each other, and then it was a fist festival going on for a long time. I mean, anywhere we would go. I mean, I'm talking about we would go to the, to the hills of where we used to live, to the basketball courts, in school, I mean, everywhere. And people used to enjoy that. Could you imagine them saying, hey, Jose, no one's over there at the park. They knew that I was going to put on a show. And vice versa, hey, Noah, Jose, Jose's up there in the corner. Go over there. And because they wanted to see these, these type of brawls. So fast forwarding, Good Friday, 1993, came. It was 93, 94, 94. Thank you, Angie. So 1994 came, and this is the moment where I surrendered to Christ. I was in that process of wanting to change and knowing that I couldn't do it without Jesus. The first thing that happened to me when I gave my life to Christ, I decided to detach from every environment that I knew that was going to take me back to the hills. So I decided, I went through this um, discipleship with my pastor. I started engaging with, learning, with reading the Bible. I started being discipled about interpreting the Bible. I was gung-ho from the start. You know, I just did not want to go back to the old life. So that being said, you know, I had quit my old job with, it was a family business, and, and I said I have to disconnect completely from what can cause temptation. And for six months, while I was doing that, I, I got a job. I was working at a Johnson & Johnson in Puerto Rico, and, uh, you know, we, they used to give us all the kitty shampoos and the lotions, and that was a great day. So I would work there, but it was a temporary assignment, so that means that there was going to come a time that your contract was going to end, so that means that unemployment, here I come. So I was at the unemployment office. As I was at the unemployment office, I was sitting there, you know, and I knew the importance of, you know, showing Jesus. I knew the importance of that. So here comes, when I'm looking towards the door, in comes Noah. That adrenaline... Yeah, it was, it was on me. Not before. I didn't care. But there, I, a lot of things started coming to my mind, and I started praying, and I said, Lord, if this guy comes and throws a first punch, it's the last punch he's going to throw. So you're going to have to help me out. And I'm over here getting nervous when I look, and I said, I hope he doesn't see me. I hope he doesn't see me. So I look with the corner of the eye. He spotted me, and here comes Noah. And I'm like, oh, great. This is not good. So I was praying about this. I said, man, this is going to be insanely awkward. But I'm not going to go down like this. Lord, help me. So here comes Noah. He stands next to me. And he says, God bless you, brother. 
stretches his hand and says, God bless you, brother. And I looked at him and said, yes, amen, come here, sit down, tell me about this. What, what, what happened? It so happened that the moment that God was working on my life to transform my life was working also in his life. Not only that took place, we became best of friends and we were ministry buddies. We would go out through the streets of Puerto Rico telling people we hated each other, but in Christ, he restored a relationship because Christ is real. <laughs> Man, if that don't get you excited, I don't know what does. But that got me excited because I didn't really want to. This, this was a big dude, you know. I mean, it was, it, I didn't want to, you know. But when he said, God bless you, and I said, brother, you have no idea how happy I am, you know. And the funny thing was that when he saw me, he was questioning God, should I go up to him or not, because he had no idea what God did to me. I had no idea what God had done to him. So I say all this, I say all this because when problems come our way, you know, we get, we get anxious, we get stressed out, we, we, take, we try to take control of things that are uncontrollable, and then we're going through this anxiety moment because we are weary, because we are burdened, and we forget that the one that gives us rest is waiting on us to say, hey, I am here. What is it that you want? Who is it that you want? And a lot of times we, decide, we think that Jesus needs our help, which in reality he doesn't. I need his help. He doesn't need mine. So Jesus, when, when we're, let me tell you something. When we are feeling burdened, when we are feeling weary, weary, when we're feeling anxious and we are broken, Jesus knows it. He understands it. He understands these feelings. Why? Because he went through the same thing. But I believe that he came and he went through all of that to carry my burdens, to carry my weight, to carry my chains, to carry my guilt, to carry all the weight that, is, that presses me down. Jesus says, and he's here saying, give it all to me. Do not keep it. The problem is that we tend to keep it when we hold grudges. We tend to keep it when we want to solve it by ourselves. We tend to keep it when we think that we can, we can go two steps ahead of God. And then when we trip and we fall on our faces, then we're asking, what took place here? In the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, and I'm going to dive in later. I'm going to go back to the book of John in a second. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. So you have these disciples. They're there. Remember, they spent... Three years of intense teaching, 
intense discipleship with Jesus himself. They experience great teachings. They experienced great miracles. They've exp- I mean, they saw things that I wish I could have seen with my own eyes. You know, I w- wouldn't it be cool to see Peter walk on water? Wouldn't it be cool to see Jesus having just two baskets of food and all of a sudden we're 5,000 people and all of a sudden everybody ate and there's more enough, more than enough to go around. I mean, that excites me. I mean, we, you know, and it was bread and fish. See, he wouldn't pass out broccoli because it was a waste. <laughs> then, in the course of, then in the course of the action, you see, when Jesus, when they see all this, and they witnessed all this. Here comes a time that Jesus is eating food with them, and they're saying, and, and Jesus is saying, okay, now, what's about to happen? What's about to happen? The Son of Man is going to suffer. The Son of Man is going to die. But before he dies, he's going to be tortured. He's going to die, but in the third day, He's going to resurrect. The disciples didn't hear that last part of the resurrection. They didn't know what he meant. All they heard was, man, Jesus is going to die. My buddy, my friend, my teacher is going to die. And they're all, here they are planning out all this, you know, we, we need to do something to, to protect our friend, you know. And here is Peter, you know, Peter. I, you know, I identify with Peter, you know. I mean, we, I, I can understand Peter. Uh, people say that I'm kind of like Peter, but I don't believe that. I don't accept that, and I don't receive that, believe it or not. So here comes, so here comes the disciples. Now when, when, when this crowd is coming towards Jesus, they remember, they say, uh-oh, the time is coming, the time is now. And they ask Jesus, hey, what do we do? Do we, do, do we pull out our swords? Do you, do, you have, do you have my back, Miguel? You know, you got my back, all right. So, and then, but they ask Jesus, do, do we pull out our swords? A lot of times... We are asking the question to Jesus, where do we go from here? What do we do from here? See, Peter didn't wait for the answer. He didn't wait for the answer. He just grabbed it and he says, you know what? I'm not going to wait. Sling, slash, slice the right ear of this, of this guard, of this servant. And a lot of times that's how we are. A lot of times, that's how I am. I ask Jesus the question, and I don't wait for the answer. I was sharing with the nine o'clock that I remember at one point, I made a bad decision. I didn't wait on the Lord, and I dragged my family with me because I didn't wait for the answer. You see, Many times, we don't want to wait. We act, not we, 
Y'all, you guys are awesome. I act as if I serve a God of microwaves. Here's my request. Let me give it two minutes, and ding, I have my response. Huh? Let me give it three minutes, because this is a bigger request. And then we ask, I ask selfishly, and when the microwave is not working properly, then I'm thinking, hello up there, hello up there. Many times we do not want to wait on the response of the God that controls the uncontrollable. Sometimes we want to get the answer at the moment. And if we don't get the answer, if I don't get the answer at the moment, I am going to think, he's not going to do nothing. Let me do it instead. And then what happens? We mess up. We mess up. Peter had messed up. Peter didn't wait. He damaged a body. He damaged a body. But listen, li listen to this. When Jesus sees this, he doesn't say, okay, now go for the other ear. You know? Or, or good job, Peter. Yes, I knew you had my back. Come on, what, what's wrong with you guys? Come on, grab, grab a soldier and give him a beat down. No. Jesus went up to him. First, he tells Peter, put it away. Put the sword away. And he healed the ear of one that was representing those that were going to harm him. If it would have been Jose, I probably would have said, you know what, give, give, go get the other ear. Because he's coming to harm me. Jesus healed the ear. He healed the ear and told Peter, put it away. In life, in life nowadays, we tend to want to harm, take the sword, not listen to God and cause damage because damage was caused to me. Because damage was caused to me, I'm going to damage forward. But then I realize, if I want to experience the healing and the miracle of God in my life, I need to put away my sword, I need to let it go, and I need for God to work. Because I am not God, he is God, he make all things right. And many times, many times, we decide to be the people that want to resolve things our way. Do you know 
that one of the tactics, or actually the tactic of the enemy of souls is to bring destruction. He's the one that says, cut the ear, cut the ear. But what I want to encourage you, and I want to tell you right now, is that even though when you mess up, Jesus still restores. Jesus still restores. It doesn't matter how bad of a mess you're in. Jesus still restores. But the key is, how, how much are we willing to be like Christ? How much are we willing to walk in obedience to be like Christ? In my days, in my days, one of the things that God has worked with me has been holding a grudge. I used to hold a grudge. I mean, I was one of those, in Spanish we would say, el que me la hace me la paga. You know, whoever does it, don't worry, you're going to get yours. And that was me. You're going to do it? Don't worry. I'll catch you on the rebound. We'll be right back. And that God had to deal with me on that. And you know what happens when you hold a grudge? I've learned that when I hold a grudge, there's a root of bitterness that takes control of our lives. And if you give the enemy just one little bit, that's enough for him to build the whole city. And you think that he's impressed that that doesn't happen even in the church? That's when he has a field day. He's not impressed by me coming and knowing all the songs. He's not impressed by me coming and just clapping. He's not impressed by me saying amen when I agree with this awesome preacher. He's not impressed on that. On none of that. Now, when the church drops on their knees, when the church drops on their knees and raise their hands and say, God, I messed up. I messed up. You know what he does? He restores. He restores. I want to I wanna close with this final thought. And just think about what God is speaking today. See, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, he went out and asked, who is it you want? Who is it you want? When he heard the answer and, the, and, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am he. Jesus, until this day and forever, will continue to know what's going to happen. The question that he asked today is, what is it that you want? What is it? that you want. Do you want 
to focus on the issue? Do you want to focus on the turmoil? Do you want to focus on the storms? Or are we going to put our focus on our comforter? Are we going to put our focus on the God of the impossible? Are we going to put our focus out there to the one king who carried my burdens to give me hope? My hope only relies in Christ. Where does your hope rely? Where do you rest? Who is it that you want? I want Jesus. I want to close with this final thought, with this reading I read on, on Facebook. A dear friend of mine, Pastor Jonathan Santiago, he and I were discipled by the same pastor. He, served, he serves in ministry in Puerto Rico, uh, and um, he's married to my beautiful cousin, and, and he writes these beautiful thoughts on Facebook. And, and, uh, and I kind of borrowed this one. I told him I'm going to borrow it without permission. And I want to share this, but I want you to hear intently. I shared this last week to our Latino congregation. Listen to this. Sometimes the best way to grow is to face that which we have been trying to avoid. It's time to face your giant Embrace the experiences that are meant to mold you and shape you into the person God wants you to become. Current challenges will not only prepare you for future difficulties, loss, and pain, but also prepare you for future achievements, victories, and blessings. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be the change. Speak truth. Speak life. Every eye is closed in the house. Every eye is closed in the house. Have this moment with Jesus. Have this moment with Jesus. Father God, I pray that I pray that at this moment lives will be changed, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Father, because even though when we mess up, when I mess up, Lord, you are always there to restore the mess that I make. Lord, in just one moment, as our brothers and sisters who are in need of prayer come to the altar, I pray an anointing over the hands of those that are going to pray for them. And Lord, let us not leave this place with the same conditions as we walked in here. 
I pray, God, that as we leave, Father, that your presence and your anointing will be manifested in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The altar is open. Now, here's what I encourage you to do. We are ready to pray for you. Please let us know what to pray for. If it's, hey, I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, could you pray for me? We will lead you to Jesus. If it is that you already had received Jesus, say, you know what? God spoke to me, and I really need to learn how to let go and to let God do the healing process in my life. Let us know. Whatever it is, whatever it is, the altar is open as the praise team sings.